I'm excited and nervous. I heard a guy say the other day, it's good if you're nervous because that means it, you care about who you're speaking to. So I'm really nervous. Uh, for those of you who are not aware, I just want to let you in the loop a little bit. On January 23rd of 2018, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And so I may shake a little bit today. Um, the deal is I don't want it to distract you and I'll try not to let it distract me. I, I've, I've turned it into what I call my like love meter. If I shake, that means I like, what I, I like what I'm doing and I love who I'm with. So when I'm around my wife, I can't hardly control myself. So <laughs> it's a great back scratch for my wife. Hallelujah. <laughs> she just gets around me and I just start, she just, <laughs> this is of the Lord. I mean, no, it really isn't. But one of our students from SCSL, uh, I went to, I think I told this story before, we went to cookout and I bought him a milkshake. How many guys ever have a cookout milkshake before? Let's just take a minute and ponder. <laughs> Selah, all right? Peanut butter is really good, by the way. And uh, I got a witness in the house. It, but but we, uh, we were sitting there at the restaurant as I was eating my peanut butter milkshake and he goes, he leaned over and he goes, PD, do you think that's the Holy Spirit and that's why you're shaking? I said, I wish it was. <laughs> uh, so, well, guys, I want to talk to you today about a place to belong. And I want to start off by mentioning a couple stories where I felt like I didn't belong. Um, I was 25 and a in 1992, and I was a youth pastor. And my little sister-in-law is Down syndrome, and it was her BC High School senior prom. And so she was wanting to go to the prom, and I said, I'll take you. And so my in-laws, they rented a tuxedo and uh, got all dressed up, took my little sister. She, she's about four foot nothing, so I felt like I was a basketball player, so that was a good thing. <laughs> but we went to this restaurant called Annabelle's. It's, it used to be a desk square, remember that, back in the day? And uh, it got a little awkward when I went into the bathroom and there was a guy that was standing beside me. He goes, so you're going to your senior prom, huh? And I'm like, yes, sir. I said, actually, that's my sister-in-law. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just taking her because she went to go to her senior prom. So it's an honor to do that. Because I felt like I'm, I'm 25, which I, I, look, I used to look young. You know when you're young and people say, you look so young. You better, you better seize the day, my friend. Because <laughs> those days are passing quicker than what you know. Now when I grew my beard out, my kids look, you look so old. I said, I used to look young. All right, so they said, you look old and mean. And I was like, I'll keep it wearing it for a while around you guys. But anyway, so we go, we go to the prom, get to the prom. And dude, I can't dance worth a lick. I mean, I, this, this, this boy don't dance. He has no rhythm in his soul. He is, it's, it's, I'll slip a disc, pull an ACL, do something. I mean, it's just bad. So I did, I did want, it got a little awkward when we showed up to the prom as a youth pastor and I had other students at the prom. It was their senior prom. So they're like, hey, Pastor Darren. I'm like, hey, and it felt so stinking awkward. I, I found a dark corner in the prom and I sat there the whole night and my little sister-in-law said I was a stick in the mud because I didn't dance. I'm like, Hope, you don't want me to dance. I'll, I'll hurt you, slip a disc, do something. So I, I really didn't feel like I quite belonged to that prom. Number one, being 25. Number two, being 
a youth pastor and having some of my students at that prom with me. So I know that made it a little awkward for them too. Um, another thing, another time, and I don't know if you've ever had this experience before, but we were at this old vegetable medley when it used to be at the airport. It used to be over at the airport before it moved to Oak Drive, before they're doing prison ministry now. But anyway, um, I, I had to go relieve myself. So I went in and I'm in a stall and I'm taking care of business. And I look down and I see a, a pair of pantyhose and high heels. And I'm like, oh my word, I didn't. I did. It was me and Lulabelle in the bathroom together, taking care of business. I, I could have died. I, I didn't quite feel like I belonged in that situation. So I, I waited. I, I literally, I peeked out the I peeked out the door of the stall to see if anybody else, because if I would have walked out and another woman would have been in there, it, boy, I, could, I could be doing prison ministry, you know what I mean? I, it, that's like a no trespassing sign. I'm like, I was so caught up in the mac and cheese and the, and the fried chicken and all that, I didn't even pay attention to where I was going when I went into the bathroom. So I waited till the coast was clear, and fortunately the lady was taking longer than what I was in there. I, I take when I looked down, I saw those high heels. I was like, "What in the world have I done?" I I could I I almost died. Uh, so I waited till the coast was clear, and I beelined it out. I would have taken anybody out like a lineman if if it, they would have walked in. So I definitely didn't feel like I quite belonged. And then uh, another situation where I didn't feel like I belonged is I I never realized I was a Yankee till I moved south of the Mason-Dixon line. And all of a sudden, I realized I was a Yankee because I was told I was a Yankee. Well, after I got acclimated, my blood thinned out, and those summers weren't quite as bad. The summer of 1986 it broke a record. There were so many days that were over 100 degrees heat index. It was a blistering summer. So my blood thinned out pretty quick. And, and, I, and I started getting accustomed to the culture down south, like all the pine trees, the pollen, <laughs> okra even boiled okra, which takes a man to eat. Even some of you guys are saying, ooh. But anyway, some people love that stuff. My, my mother-in-law's one. She puts tomatoes in it, and I'm like, you're just trying to disguise it, aren't you? <laughs> anyway, and, and I, so okra and sweet tea was, was wonderful. My wife, as you know, makes sweet tea so good, makes you want to kick your dog. I mean, it is, it is wonderful sweet tea. And grits, I started eating grits without milk and sugar. I actually put cheese in it put my eggs in it, crunched up bacon in it. The more you put in it, the better it tastes. I, is that right? And a lot of butter and a lot of salt. So you think if you have to do that much to something that you're eating, you probably shouldn't eat it. But that, and then I remember I went to a race and I was, I was with a guy named Wesley and he's a good old Southern boy and he's drinking a Mountain Dew and he poured his, his peanuts in his Mountain Dew and let it sit. I didn't know that. I, I moved down south where they live to eat. They just, don't, they just don't eat to live. See, up north, we just eat to live. Down south, they make everything a delicacy. And so he put his peanuts in his mountain dew, and I thought, when you're in Rome, do like the Romans or whatever. So I put my, my peanuts in my mountain dew, and, and then the whole boiled peanuts thing. I like them. And the saltier, the better. 
And so I was, I was, I was, I'm getting thumbs up. You guys are about to leave right now. You're like, bump this sermon. I'm out of here, dude. You've said too much about food. So I, I, th- I thought I was doing pretty good getting acclimated to the Southern culture. And I was at a reunion, again, feeling like I don't belong. And I was, something about the North and the South came up, which is not unusual because of some of Mandy's cousins. So anyway, I'll just, I'm in the pulpit, so I'll speak nicely today. All right. So anyway, and I'm like, well, bro, I said, my whole family's from the South. My wife is Southern. My kids, my kids were born in South Carolina and Georgia. And he goes, what's on your birth certificate? And I said, Ohio. And he goes, I'm sorry. I'm saying, it doesn't even matter that I lived down south longer than I lived up in Ohio. I'm sorry, look at your birth certificate. I'm like, dude. So I learned that in the south, sometimes they embrace you quickly, but they accept you slow. <laughs> and a lot of times they don't put the knife in your chest. They, they hug you and stick it in your back and they twist it. <laughs> That's just some of my experiences. I just, I'm not saying all southerners are like this because I could not make it out of the parking lot after the service today. So... <laughs> But I really have. I've lived down south much longer than north. And, and I know the highway travels both ways, north and south. So if you don't like it, it goes north and you can just get your rear end back out of here. So I, I know it was the war, the war of northern aggression. I understand that. I'm not messing with that. So anyway, before I ponder anymore and get myself in deeper trouble, I'm going to press on. But there's times where I felt like I've not belonged. I even picked up the southern dialect, like fixing. What you guys fixing to do? Well, we're wrecking. When we, when we reckoned in Ohio, we got in a car wreck. You know, down here, what you reckon they want to do? Well, they're fixing to go to the store. So I was reckoning, and I was fixing in, and I still wasn't accepted. So, I mean, I like, I, I'm eating boiled okra. What you want? Come on. I mean, a, man's, a man got to draw the limits somewhere. I mean, give me a break. So it's, I, I really try. And the first time I went dove hunting, which I never went hunting, never owned a gun until I moved down south. Now I own multiple guns. It's like part of the heritage of the south. If a war ever breaks out, you want to be in the south because we're going to win. <laughs> I know I'm not going to win because I'm not part of the south and the south might rise again. I know I know all that, but I've got my guns now. All right. So I do have my guns. And uh, so we were, we were dove hunting one time and... Uh, and I was with this guy. And he goes, that bird done lit in the tree. And I said, dude, what? <laughs> he goes, that bird done lit in the tree. I said, the bird landed in the tree over yonder. All right, so the bird done lit in the tree out yonder. All right, so I'm wrecking and fixing. And I was going to eat one time with one guy. And he asked me if I wanted to go to McDonald's. I said, up north we have McDonald's. <laughs> so I learned how to enunciate donut. It's donut. It's not donut. It's donut. So I, I've really tried to get acclimated, but sometimes I still don't feel like I belong. But anyway, a couple of years, it's just been a tumultuous life. I'm telling you, it's just been, but by the grace of God, I abound. My wife accepts me. She's a purebred Southerner. I married a Southern belle, so you're stuck with me. I'm not going anywhere. She was born in she So... <laughs> Dude, I might just stay up here and camp out and pitch a tent. I love y'all from the bottom of my heart. All right. I was looking at my, my, my uh, journal the other day, and it was November of 2018 that Pastor and I had a meeting at 
at Lizard's Thicket. And he said, Darren, I really want to create places of community in our church. And I really want you to pray about helping us to do that. And so he said, I, and, and his heart was, he doesn't just want people to attend Christian life. He wants people to belong at Christian life. And there's a huge difference between attend. We can attend a church. We can come to a church and fly under the radar. And, and you can attend church or you can belong to a church. There's, there's a huge difference between the two. So we started our pilgrimage of, of starting life groups. And here's some statistics that I'm, I'm just so thankful to the Lord. Because I didn't know what I was doing. The only, the only time I had done life groups or small groups was when I was a youth pastor. And we were a youth ministry of about 100, 100 and 105 students or something like that. So we did life groups, but it was a much smaller you know, scale. And so I was like, what am I doing with fear and trepidation? I told pastor, I'll give it a go. Well, guys, since the fall of 2017, 94 members have completed the life group training sessions, 94 in our church family, which is awesome. Last semester, one third of our membership attended a life group or a growth track, one third. Amen, amen. And, and this, this semester, this, this semester, we have more life groups and more growth tracks than we've ever had. We have 30 in a church of, you know, 13, 1400. But we have 30 life groups that you can choose from. Um, guys, the vision of life groups is to provide a place where people can connect. It's, it's so easy. Do you remember, remember the lion? He, he walks about, the enemy walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The whole, the whole when he roars in, in the spiritual realm or when he roars in our ear, which he roars through accusation, he roars through guilt. He roars through fear. And he tries to get us to isolate ourselves and to separate ourselves from the body of Christ. And I was reading a book. And it said a lion's roar can be heard up to five miles. And actually when a lion roars, it actually can stir up the dust right in front of it. It actually can create a little whirlwind of dust. I don't know who's out there watching that, but, but I'm like, who's videoing that? <laughs> Mr. Supper? All right, so... But we want to provide, we want our, our we, we don't want, and see what happens is when they roar, they wait for the pack of whatever they're hunting to separate. And whichever, whatever animal separates itself from the pack is dinner that night. And the enemy walks around roaring, trying to get us to separate from each other. He loves divisiveness. He loves division. He loves disunity. He loves that. So the enemy wants to roar. And, and guys, we have to watch ourselves. Ephesians and Colossians tells us to put off selfishness, put off anger, put off malice. And, it, and if, we don't, if we don't put off jealousy, if we don't put those things off, we'll feed those things in our life. And then we'll, we'll, we'll build a mental case against our own church family and we'll begin to separate from them rather than belonging to them. Does, does that make sense? So we're, life groups, there's three, there's three focuses of life groups. Number one, we want to pr provide a place where people can connect. Th this is great coming to, I mean, if, if you don't get something out of pastor sermons, I can pray for you or I've got medication. All right. So either, either one you choose will go the natural or the supernatural. But I mean, but I tell you what, it's like pastor saying a couple weeks ago, there's things that happen in small group settings that don't happen in large group settings. 
And we're not trying to re reduplicate or, re or duplicate what happens here on Sunday mornings. We're trying to create venues where people can connect with each other, where they feel a sense of belonging. Does that make sense? And some people, when they come to Christian life, and, and I'm not faulting anybody, but they fly under the radar. And if you have a sense of community already, that's fine. But if you don't, I'm telling you, don't let the enemy roar and get you to separate from people. We need community. Christianity was not meant to be lived out or journeyed out alone. It was meant to be journeyed out in, in the corporate body, community, brothers and sisters. And you say, well, they aggravate me. God's using them to sharpen you to become more like him. So we, we need community. There's things that will happen in community that won't happen when we're isolated by ourselves. There's ways that we'll grow in community that we won't grow when we're isolated by ourselves. So life groups are, are, are to provide a place where people can connect. Also, life groups are, are to provide a place where people feel protected. Guys, we can't, a lot of us can't talk about the word of God at, at, at work because it's not a safe place. But we want to provide a, an atmosphere where we can talk about the word of God where we can discuss sermons, where we can discuss topics that, that we're talking about, like it wasn't meant to happen this way, like the Wednesday night study for women this, this semester. We wanna provide venues where we can talk. Small groups are not a preaching platform. They're a place where we facilitate conversations. Now it's, it's safer to come here. It's safer because you can come here and fly under the radar and put on your Jesus face and leave here and nobody knows, knows anything, anything's wrong with you. But I was also, the same book that I was reading the other day said, a lot of marriages will go up to six years without saying anything to anyone. And then they hit the point of no return. Guys, who knows you well enough to know what's going on in your life other than your wife and your kids? And maybe they don't even know. I'll just not go on there. I'll just save some more of that. You guys started looking at me memes. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> plan B. All right. So, all right. And life groups are also, they, they provide a place where we can connect, a place where we protect and a place where we can grow, grow spiritually first and grow relationally second. All right. I'm not going to take time to read all of this. Well, I may. Yeah, I won't, I've got, this thing's loaded with scripture. So you have enough scripture to do Bible studies for the next month and a half. So we won't, we won't read every scripture. You're like, what time is we getting out here? Does that guy know what time service is over? I know. And Pastor Frank informed me what time I was to be done. So he's not held hostage by children in the kids zone. So <laughs> I don't want to get Jersey boy mad at me. All right. Acts 2. I love hearing your laughs. It's just, that was, a, that was a good belly laugh. You know, you have those fake laughs and you have those belly laughs where everything's jiggling. That was a good belly laugh there. But in Acts 2, 41, 42, 46, and 47, I'll just make reference to that. We see where the church grew by 3,000 in one day. They committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread and prayer. They met in two different places, the temple courts and in their homes. On down there in the little bullets, it says the church grew in one day from 120 in Acts 1.15 to more than 3,000 in Acts 2.41. To help these new believers grow in their faith, the church was divided into smaller groups. They met in the temple and house to house. Um, Acts 2.46 tells us that Jerusalem's church was divided into two mutually supportive groups, a large group that met in the temple and the small groups that broke bread in homes. Believers experienced unity by meeting regularly and the entire and an entire fellowship 
and they used to develop more of an intimate community um, by meeting in smaller groups. That was part of my master's degree, which I'm done. Thank God I'm done. Uh, not all of us have our doctorates. I honor you. They asked me at Southeastern, are you thinking about your doctorate? I said, the only doctor I think about is Dr. Pepper. I mean, I, I just, whoo, that master's, I was, my wife and I, we both earned that degree. So I don't know about the doctorate. I, th I think she's done writing. So anyway, um, a book I want to reference is it's called Merry People by Lowe and Fields. I'm not joking about that last comment either. So. I actually had her name put on the degree with mine. No, I'm just kidding. I should have. I, if, if I would have gone down to walk the line, I'd have had her on my back and say, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> but Ted Lowe and Dave, Doug Fields, they made three observations about the value of small groups in the book, Married People. And I want to quickly look at those observations today. Number one, life groups create community. Christians are called by God to be involved in building biblical communities of love by connecting with one another in the spirit. I, 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 I just, I have written down three portions of scripture that talk about the community of believers and how that community should, should function. The first one is in Romans chapter 12, and I'm just going to read verse 10 and then verse 16. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. And you can read all the rest of that. But in verse 16, it says, live in harmony with one another. Another portion of scripture, Ephesians, and there's more, 1 Corinthians. If you read the New Testament, there's so many times where we're commanded to create communities of unity that's, in, that's bound by the Spirit. The reason I believe it, that is because, guys, we should, and you've heard me say this before, we should be in the business of adopting. And when people leave the kingdom of darkness, they need a family to become they need a family to come to. Does that make sense? Because all their fellowship circles may come to an end. They may not have any more places of fellowship or places to hang out. So they need a new family to belong to that will adopt or take them in. And that, that's what we should be about. Ephesians 4, I want to read verse 2. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. From him, the whole, the whole body is joined and held together by every, get this, by every support, by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself in love as each does its work. All right, then another portion of scripture. Again, this is talking about unity. And guys, what this is also talking about is this is talking about the church is not a place just to attend. The church is a place to belong. And in order to belong, you need to have a vested interest in it. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8, I'll read verses 8 through 10. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one, get this, should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. And then it goes on and on there. Guys, here's my testimony with this. Mandy and I, we worked at SCSL. This is the, the 14th year of SCSL. But for 11 years, we were solely involved with SCSL. And we knew just a handful of people in our church body. It wasn't because we were flying under the radar. It was because of the mission that we were called to. Because when SCSL starts, which some of the SCSL gangs here, but when SCSL starts, 
It's like a hurricane that sucks you up in the middle of August and your, your world is spinning for nine months. And then in the middle of May, it just kind of spits you out and it takes you a couple months to get your head screwed back on straight before August comes. So for 11 years, my wife and I were committed to pouring into the next generation. We still are and we still do, but it's not to the extent that it once was. But guys, since, since we started doing life groups, we know more people in our Christian life family now than ever before. We've had more great meals with, with our church. When, when, um, when my dad passed away, we had people in our life group. We were going through life group training at that time. Man, can I mow your yard? Can I come over and take out your trash? Can I? They were bending over backwards to be a part of our life. That was because we formed a sense of community with the body of Christ, not just with kids who want a free meal. Which free meal is good, right? SCSL guys. Amen. Hallelujah. Preach that again. Say it one more time, Pastor PD. But, but it, it's been amazing the relationships that we've formed and the stories that we've learned and, and just the meals that we've had and the conversations that we've had. Why? Because we're, we're now intentionally more engaged. And we, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I feel like I belong more to Christian life now than I did the first 11 years. And it wasn't anybody's bad. It was just the situation that I was in. I, I want to do more than just attend a church and stare at the back of your head. Which is your, he your hair's looking mighty fine today. The, those who have it. But anyway, but <laughs> I say some of the dumbest things under the anointing of God. But, but. In our society, in, in one of the books that I was reading for my master's degree, it was saying in our society, community is needed more now than ever because social media is, is, is another step to separating us and dividing us. We don't even know how to communicate with each other or we'll get in a fight via text message. I've said this before, but communication is 7% content, what we say, 38% tone of voice and 55% body language. If... The last place that we should get in a fuss, and that's Southern, that's, that means fight. See, see, it just flows out of me. It oozes out of me. It oozes right out of me like okra. All right, all right it's just. <laughs> Boiled okra, that is. Anyway, but the last, the last place that, that we should get in a fight is over a text message. Because they can't hear your heart. They, they, don't, they miss out on that 38% tone of voice and they miss out on that 55% body language. And you only leave it up to them to assume what you mean and assume what kind of body. They probably know, you probably like this every time they walk home from work, so they know what body language you are in anyway. But anyway, you're like. But anyway, social media is, is not pulling us together, it's dividing us, it's pulling us apart. So if there's ever a time in our society where we need to come together, and have face-to-face -face interaction. Can you imagine the, the millennials or Generation Z? How are they going to communicate with their spouse? They're, they're laying, you know, they're in the same house. Hey, what you doing for dinner tonight? You're taking me out to eat. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? They're, they're missing the face-to-face -face communication because they're always hiding behind a screen. And as parents, some of us are, are as guilty as they are. So, thanks, Pastor Justin. <laughs> Last semester, 
we, we've done several life group training sessions now where we, where we go a semester long. It's been so, such a blessing to get to know the stories of our church family. Last semester, I did a group with men called 33. And some of my brothers, where's Randy at? Stand up, Randy. Oh, no, 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 your ankles hurt. Look at this hunk of man right there. I mean, I, that, that, is, that is an offensive lineman that I'd run behind any day of the week. And when I'm standing by Randy, I look like a dwarf, all right? So, okay, thank you, brother. I owe you. But every time I'd walk into, when, we'd, when I'd walk into 33, Randy would walk in, I'd look at him, I'm like, hello. And he's like, he's like he'd say, come get you some. All right, so I, I'd go up to him and give him a big hug. He, he's my brother. He's my brother. I don't, I don't just attend church with him. We belong to each other now. And if I'm ever going to battle, I'm taking men that look like that. Because when they look at me, they'll just giggle. All right. So I, I'm going to take reinforcements. I've got another brother from 33 who he has biceps that are bigger than both my thighs put together. And so when we text back and forth, he'll text me the emoji with, with the bicep flex, and he calls me little brother now. That just, that, I'm like, dude, this is so cool. I'm little brother. All right? And, and he's, a, he's, he's a veteran, and he can hurt people and bury them in, in a shallow grave, and nobody will ever know they live. So those are the kind of guys that I want. But guys, I, I wouldn't have got to know those guys if I didn't join a sense of community. So in, in a couple semesters of doing men's discipleship or men's Bible study, they're my, they're my boys. And I say that, that's, that's a term of endearment. They're my boys. Does that make sense? And I, I, I missed out on that for 11 years. But now I have a new family. And, and I, I'm the one, I, don't, I know you impress people by your strengths, but you connect to them through your weaknesses. And so a lot of times in small, in life groups, I'm hanging out my dirty laundry before any of them hang out theirs. Matter of fact, one time we were doing a lesson, I'm like, okay, I've hung out all my dirty laundry, somebody else speak now, now I look like an idiot. And they're all like, hoo, 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 and they didn't say anything. So I was like, dude, bunch of punks, don't make me beat you up. Bow up my bird chest, hurt somebody, all right. But some places weren't designed for us merely to attend. Can you imagine just attending a hunting club? Can you imagine just attending a country club? Some places weren't meant just to attend. They were meant to engage. And church is one of them. I, I put down there, I, I think I put this in the notes. We can experience community when we move from being a consumer to being a contributor. Some of us may not feel like we belong because we always consume. But you know, God created us to give. We were, we were created, made in his image and in his likeness. We were created and made to give our lives away and, and follow the pattern that was set by our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I, I like that one-liner, life is found in giving my life away. Death in me is life in others. And Manny and I, we, we find life as a couple in giving our lives away. It's not about, it's not about, I know we have a million-dollar house and all that kind of stuff. No, I'm just kidding. When... Uh, at the conference last night when they said how much the houses were in Hawaii, I'm like, dude, I better, I'd be homeless for sure. I mean, I'd be in a pup tent over there you know, roasting marshmallows around my campfire. 
But anyway, the thing that I love about my wife is it's not just me doing ministry, it's us doing ministry. We are giving our lives away. This semester, not only am I doing a, a men's Bible study called Locking Arms, but we're doing another small group, um, life group, another life group called Marriage Matters. And we're teaming up with two other couples to, to, to reach out to people that have been married 15 years or less that are 40 years of age or under to try to help them lay a solid foundation. I can't wait to get in there with these younger pups because it'll make me feel younger. And, but also to join their journey and not just attend church with them, but to feel a sense of belonging to them so that if they ever have problems or difficulties, they can have someone safe that they can come to and talk with. That's what the body of Christ should be about. Amen. All right, number two. I just have a couple minutes left. Life groups provide a, a place for accountability. Let me ask you this. Who has the authority in your life to call you up? Not, not call you out, because we call people out to throw them under the bus. But who has authority in your life to call you up to be more like Christ? Read, read this in Proverbs 18, verses 1 and 2. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. A fool has no, has no delight in understanding but in expressing his own heart. Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And get this, I, I love Proverbs 12 because I just love how NIV reads. He, he, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Get this, but he who hates correction is stupid. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Stu Weber talks about the stages of relationship. He talks about first we need to be accepted, then we need to be affirmed. Once we're accepted and we're affirmed, then we'll begin to look, for, we'll look to somebody for accountability in our life. And then once we begin to look for, to somebody for accountability, they'll end up having authority in our life. In other words, their words carry weight. Who in your life has words that carry weight. If we're married, our spouse is a great accountability partner. As men, we should give our wives the right to speak into our life because they know us probably better than anybody else. But a lot of times we hide behind pride and we hide behind selfishness. We bow up to back them off because we want to live in our own little selfish worlds rather than, rather than letting their voice make a difference in our lives. And wives, the same with you. As, as men of God, Ephesians 5, we're to wash our wives with the word. We're, we're to train them and teach them, not, not act like we know more than them, but to create an atmosphere where they can grow in their relationship with God. Who, and, and guys, here's, here's what we do in our society today. We find one blemish in a person's life and we write them off. What we do is we justify our own selfishness. We justify our own sin. So we look, for, we look for areas to be critical of other people so that their words no longer carry weight in our lives. But guys, and let, let me say this. One, one thing I've noticed a difference in SCSL versus doing work in the church, you can do something wrong so long it feels right. You can live a lifestyle that's wrong so long that it feels right. I've said this before, practice makes permanent, not perfect. You can practice, and I've said this before, you can practice a wrong golf swing, and it'll make that wrong golf swing. Keep your left elbow straight, keep your right elbow and close to your hips, adjust your weight from your, I got this right, Mr. Bernie, adjust your weight from your back foot, get through, turn the club head, 
adjust your weight because the power comes in your legs. But you can practice a wrong golf swing so long that it feels right. I've been out with my son recently. He's gotten the golf bug, which I love it. He's gotten bit pretty bad. It's severe, which, which we've gotten his clubs adjusted, got him in a golf glove. Or that's on the list now. It's just a glorious time. I try to throw him out of the golf cart. Hey, look over there. You know, one time, one time we call him, the, we call it the Superman. One time he went to stand up early and I turned to he, he flew like this out in the fairway and started tumbling. Once I realized he was okay, I started laughing like crazy. That was the Superman, dude. That was all you. You were airborne. It's glorious. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, pra- I'm trying to teach Braden how to do it right now so he doesn't form a bad habit in his life. And, we, and a, a rut is a grave with both ends kicked out. We get stuck in a rut with how we live, with how we communicate, with how we resolve conflict. So guys, who do you have that, that you allow to speak into your life? That only comes through community. Does that make sense? You, you can come in here, pastor, preach all day long and go out and live like the devil because you have nobody holding you accountable to live it out. And James says to be doers of the word, not hearers only. We should give people that we should be approachable. I don't want to be that guy that Proverbs talks about that's stupid because he rejects correction. I want to be the wise man who, who listens to instruction. Bring it on. Every, every one of us, how many guys have ever had a, had a car that you, or, and you're driving down the road and you went to get in the left lane and when you went to get over in the left lane, you didn't see that car that was beside you? You even looked in your rearview mirror and your side mirror, but you still didn't see that car? It's called a blind spot. Every one of us in this room have blind spots. We have things that we don't see about ourselves that people from the outside looking in see and notice. Who do you allow to love you enough to call you up? To be the man of God or to be the woman of God that God desires for you to be. If we don't have that, we'll never be all that he wants us to be and we'll never do all that he wants us to do. We need accountability in our lives. And the the last point Point number three, let me find it. Life groups provide a place where we can encourage one another, stimulate faith, and bear one another's burdens. We, surround our, we should surround ourselves with those who will inspire us to be and become more like Christ and encourage us to do good works that God predestined for us to do. There's, there's the, I'm running out of time here, so I want to hurry up because I want to I make Pastor Frank a happy man. But in Hebrews, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Who you're, who you're hanging out with, do they spur you on to love and good deeds or do they encourage you to push the envelope? Do they, do they spur you on to be a great godly husband? Do they spur you on to live a life of integrity and truth? If not, you need to find a new group of people to hang out with. And maybe you can't escape some of them because maybe you work with them. But when you can control the situation, are you doing it well? Because there's some people, they're like a fungus. We're just stuck with them. I mean, they're, they're going to be there. But when I can control the situation, when I can put, it, put myself in a place where I can encounter other men of God who will call me up to be a man of God, I need to put myself there. I need to get away from the TV Get away from live PD, get away from college football, 
I tell you, I, I promise you, if you invested as much time in your walk with Jesus Christ as you did in college football, you'd be a spiritual giant. Some of us. I'm, I'm making a ton of enemies today. If we, if we spent as much time in our relationship with God as we do in the deer stand, now I'm really on thin ice. Everybody with the jacked up truck with a long antenna and a tennis ball its going to be coming after me. I, I need, Roy, we're brothers. Randy, I got, you got my back, brother? Don't mess with me. I got some big boys in my corner, all right? But honestly, honestly, we need to put ourselves in, in atmospheres where we're being encouraged in our faith and called up to be a man of God. Um, 2 Timothy chapter, Ephesians 2.10 talks about we've all been created to do good works. God predestined us to do those good works. 2 Timothy 2, I don't have this in the notes, Verse 22, but get, listen to what this says. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, get this, it says, pursue, which means to go after. Pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. And then listen to what it says. Enjoy the companionships of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. That's, that's not just as a teenager. Show me your friend, I'll show you your future. Who they are is what you'll become. Friends are like an elevator. They take you up or down. There's no such thing as a neutral friend. That's the same as a 17-year-old and a 52-year-old or 53-year-old. My friends influence my life. So I want to intentionally put myself around people that will inspire me to be more like a man of God. I, th this week I went out with a, a brother and he, he asked me about the Parkinson's and what was going on. And I told him, I said, bro, I got to preach Sunday. I said, I'm so nervous. I said, when I, when I get nervous, it... it it heightens the tremor. It exaggerates the tremor. He goes, bro, I don't eat. And we're eating at BJ's, eating, eating our good food. It was good. And he goes, I want to tell you something. When you preach, people love when you preach. He said, you got a lot to say. And dude, he, just, he just encouraged me. Does that make sense? I, I needed a brother. And, and, and I didn't pay him to say that. I, I would have. But, but I needed that. He said, I, I told my wife before I came out, you know, if, it, if she thought it was okay if I asked about your health. And she goes, yeah, the pastors need encouragement. Ask them. And so when he went to ask me, I, I, I could tell he was kind of like tippy tone. I said, bro, I'm an open book. I'm, I'm more transparent than you want me to be. Because there's power in living life in the light. There's freedom in living life with your blinds pulled up. I've got nothing to hide. Nothing to hide at home, nothing to hide on my computer, nothing to hide on my phone. I've got nothing to hide. There's power and freedom in that. I said, buddy, you can ask me anything. He said, well, let me just talk to you a minute. And he, and he, he just encouraged, encouraged. I, I left there going, one day maybe I will have biceps like him. All right, <laughs> that's a joke. God didn't give me the genes. And guys, we'll likely face times when we'll need people to help bear our burdens. We, we've seen a lot of death in our church family here recently. And even when I heard of Chris and the passing of Doug, my heart just broke. But I thank God that Chris is a part of a life group. And you know what she, you know her first request when I was texting her? Let my girls in my life group know what happened. Wasn't let the pastors know, it was let the girls in my life group know what happened. It's because there's community there. There's relationships that have been built that are there. 
Miss Jen, I'm going to brag on you a minute. So I go to Mr. Rich's uh, graveside, and it, it, they did a full um, military with taps, the flag. It was, it was just incredible. And I went up to give Miss Janet a hug at the end. And she looked at me. She goes, I want to say something. I said, okay. She goes, I want to lead a life group. Well, being pastoral, I'm trying to calm my little sister down and say, okay, Miss Janet, when the dust settles and you're ready, then we'll, we'll talk about leading a life group. She goes, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm like, I'm about to get beat up at Fort Jackson Cemetery, man. She, she I'm not going to mess with this feisty lady, this feisty woman of God. And she said, I want to do a life group for widows. Does she need community? Absolutely. I, and I, I was driving home. I thought, you know what? She could name her life group Not Alone. But she already has a name that her and Mr. Rich came up with. It's, it's awesome. So today, guys, what, what are the Christian life action points? Number one, come to the understanding that our Christianity is not to be lived out alone. It's, it's to be lived out in community. Number two, find a place in the family where you can contribute and begin experiencing a new sense of belonging. Guys, I believe when we contribute, we sense the belonging. That it, it becomes my family, my church, my life group, my choir, my Royal Rangers. There's ownership in that verbiage. And that, I don't want you just to attend church. I want, it, I want you to belong. You can join by, guys, today, there's, there's going to be life group leaders out in the foyer. And some, some of the groups are already full. They've already reached their numerical cap. And you say, why do you have numerical caps? Because they wouldn't be a small group if they weren't small. Most life groups need to be 12 or under. So some have already reached their, their numerical cap. You say, well, they don't have one that I like will come through life group leadership training and you can be a life group leader. <laughs> I had a brother show up one time and we were out to eat and he goes, do you have a life group for basketball? Guys that want to play basketball? I said, no, tell me about it. He started telling me, well, I just like playing basketball, blah, blah, blah. I said, what about being a life group leader? Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm like, come on, let's do it. Let's do this thing. So find a place in the family where you can contribute and begin experiencing the new sense of belonging. Join a life group or find some place in the church where you can serve. And lastly, encourage others in the faith, work to build unity and bear one another's burdens. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I do not believe that you created the church to be a place that we just attend. But I, I believe the church is was designed by you to be a spiritual family, a place to belong. And Father, we, we, some of us have swallowed the, the lie of our society and we look at church from a consumer's perspective. We just consume and take. But Lord, I believe that we'll have a sense of belonging when we, can, when we begin to contribute. We have a vested interest in it. Father, I pray that you will unite our hearts together that we will be a place that's filled with community, that we will be a place that's filled with love, that we will be a place of belonging where people who need a spiritual family can come in and sense belonging, sense that they fit, that they feel adopted into the family. Father, stir our hearts.
Stir our hearts and may we use the gifts that you've given us for your glory and for your honor. May we not allow the enemy to isolate us and separate us, but may we fight for family and not with family. Father, move in our hearts this day, I pray. Altar team, if you would come up at this time. We wanna open up the altar for any needs that you have this morning as well. Maybe you need prayer for healing, prayer for your marriage, or maybe you're carrying bitterness or harboring unforgiveness and you need to come to the altar today and ask the Lord to clear, clear your heart, cleanse your heart and to let some things go so that the enemy can no longer keep you apart from the family. Father, as we close out this morning, I pray that you'd move upon our hearts. May we stop any hindrance that's keeping us from belonging to the church, the body of Christ. Some of us already have a sense of community and that's great, but Father, we need people that will hold us accountable and people that we can encourage in the faith and bear their burdens as well. May we walk out the truth of your word with obedience. We lift up these things to you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You're allowed to leave. <laughs>